Happy holidays. My name's Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Will Sloan. And you're listening to the Important Cinema Club Christmas Time Spectacular. Or is it holidays? <laughs> I guess holidays, right? Well, Even though this is a specifically well, Christmas episode. Sorry, if there's one thing that I learned from one of the movies we watched is now's not the time for political correctness. <laughs> because we watched Miracle on 34th Street, which came out in 1947. This is the original one, not the Richard Attenborough which one. Which is what most people think about, I feel, when you name Well, most people movie. are age probably yeah, yeah. and there, also kurt cameron's classic saving christmas which came out in 2014 and right now just like fuck miracle on 34th street i don't give a shit all, all i came here only to talk about saving christmas so you're the one that wanted to watch saving christmas right yeah where had you heard about this movie before because i remember reading about it on the av club last year and nowhere else. I feel I feel like Saving Christmas, just the knowledge of it has always been a part of my life ever since it came out. I mean, I've always kept one eye on the Kirk Cameron uh, cinematic universe. Have you seen any of his movies before? No, and that's one of the... Well, there are two big reasons why I wanted to do this movie. One is I wanted an easy target to pick on because <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a bully. And, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, let's pick on this stupid Christian movie. And the second one was I was kind of curious to see a Kirk Cameron movie because if you don't know... Kirk Cameron is kind of like the Tom Cruise of Christian cinema. He became famous on the 80s sitcom Growing Pains and then entered a new phase of his career with the popular Left Behind series. And I would say Kirk Cameron is probably much more hateful and aggressive with his Christianity than Tom Cruise is with his Scientology, wouldn't you agree? I Well, I think so in that Kirk Cameron only makes Christian-themed films, and Tom Cruise does not necessarily make Scientology-themed films. And Kirk Cameron, let's say right off the bat, that he is one of those gay-hating, like... I remember reading once he made a video where he said that if you have a sinful thought, it's as good as doing that sin. Oh, what a dick. Yeah, he's a huge dick. <laughs> okay. Which brings us to Saving Christmas. What's the main point of the movie, Will? Well, the movie kind of, it came out last year, you know, right right in the middle of Obama's second term. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of a, kind of picking up on that war on Christmas zeitgeist. When did uh, that war on Christmas start? Did it start only a few years ago? I mean, God. It feels like it This did. is another one of those things, though. It feels like it did, but then again, it also feels like one of those things that's just been going on forever, and that, and that it has become as much a part of the holiday season as anything else. Where Christians feel that Christmas is being taken away from them, which is traditionally the birth of Jesus Christ. And by uh, that, traditionally, I mean in the last 100 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it probably has a little more to do with Santa and stuff, although that's something that's addressed <laughs> addressed in this movie that we watched. Because we should clarify that Saving Christmas, as far as it sounds like it's going to be how like Christianity is taking Christmas back, when the movie's not really about that at all. What the movie's about is someone Christian feeling that Christmas is not Christian enough. I was so sold on this movie just from the opening scene, which be it begins with Kirk Cameron sitting in a chair next to a fireplace he's got a christmas tree behind him and he says the camera hi i'm kirk cameron you know i love christmas the the lights the 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 goodwill he's e just improvising everything about it's great but you know there are some people out there who you know who shall remain nameless i guess who who just think hey that's great that you like christmas but could you just keep it down and then there are other people on our side who are like well you know i don't know maybe everything has become so consumerist and i thought from this intro like this intro so much so much is invested in the fact that we know Kirk Cameron and we love Kirk Cameron and he's the spiritual guru who's gonna who's gonna walk us through this culture war. Because the film is not for us. The film is for Christians 
who don't believe in Christmas as far as trees go and presents yeah, and Santa Claus. Yeah, the consumerist culture yeah. that's overtaking Christmas, some yeah. might say. Because he's not trying to convince us that you got to bring the Jesus back into Christmas. Which surprised me and actually kind of, I think, made the movie a little more watchable for me because it, it didn't have it didn't have a lot of those kind of, you know, social conservative hallmarks that, <laughs> that you know, usually make us wary of Christian cinema. <laughs> kind of like God is Dead, which is another yeah, uh, bringing which, the which Christ I haven't, back Which Christmas. I haven't seen. This may actually be the first of the uh, Christian movies that I that I've seen, and we should be watching more because supposedly Christian cinema is tearing up at the box office. Well, some of it's doing very well. Like God's Not Dead made sixty million dollars. That is insane. And Kirk Cameron like is a legit star in a in a not small segment of. The, well, I mean the, the Left Behind population. series, not considering the Nicolas Cage remake that came out. A few oh, years I have ago, seen that. <laughs> is a huge business, mm-hmm. or it was for a long time. Was the Mr. T starring one and the Kirk. I remember my dad renting Left Behind from Roger's video and going like, oh, this seems like an interesting film. Like everyone gets, you know, abducted. And about an hour and a half, he's like, yeah, let's not watch any of these movies anymore. (laughs) And Kirk Cameron's 2008 uh, divorce movie, Fireproof, opened, I think, at number two or three at the box office and made over $30 million, which at the time was considered like a major achievement for a Christian movie. So we've talked about before your lapsed... uh... Christian beliefs. Yours too, right? Yeah, my yeah. mind too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're both pretty much on the same page. Yeah. But we have come from either families or just backgrounds where this, when we were kids, was something that was kind of, you know, thrown in our direction. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't want to over overstate it, but I, uh, yeah, I, I was raised religious. And you had like the little, um, you know, the nativity scene under your tree when yes. you were a kid. I, it was very fun because every year at Christmas, uh, we put the little baby Jesus away in a drawer somewhere. And then on Christmas, we find the little really? baby Jesus and put it out. Yeah, it's actually a ritual that I still look forward to quite a bit. You, you, you still do it to this day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> we can sum up the, the plot of Saving Christmas very easily. It's just a guy. We got to give him a name. I know he's a director, but I don't know his name. Let's I'm call him gonna... Pally. <laughs> Let's call him Pally. So, so it, it opens at Pally's after this pre-credit sequence with, with Kirk Cameron sitting in a chair welcoming Which us into the world. Which is seven minutes long. Yeah, this is the most hilariously padded movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, and this may be our most Flophouse uh, style <laughs> well, episode no, yet. Well, we'll get onto, a, onto the other movie eventually, which also sucks. But uh, it opens at uh, Kirk Cameron's sister's Christmas party, a, you know, a very festive, very ethnically diverse uh, Christmas party. But uh, as Kirk Cameron tells us, there are some people who don't love Christmas as much as you and I. There are some people who, when they see... When we see happy families, they see consumerism. And then it cuts to Kirk Cameron's brother-in-law upstairs. And Pally. Pally. Yeah. Pally is is very upset. Uh, he's like, you know, I, I can't take this. He's a real Grinch. And what we don't know in this scene yet, and which I've said before, is that he is not angry because of the consumerism in Christmas. Oh, no, he is angry by yeah. that. He's, But he's angry because they're not, you know... It's I getting guess. away from the real meaning of the season, which is the birth of Jesus mm-hmm. and, and celebrating that. So everyone is a little bit, you know, angry at Pally. They're all like, hey, what's the deal with this with this jerk? So Pally goes and he hangs out in his car, where we will spend most of the movie <laughs> hanging out as well. It's very kind of my dinner with Andre. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, Kirk Cameron goes out in the car. And, and, and he, we should say that Kirk Cameron, for some reason, looks like he just got off a bender of some kind. <laughs> he's like half shaved. Yeah, yeah. He, he has a bit of a stubble beard going on and his collar is a little bit messed up. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like he just came. Is he like cool Kirk Cameron? That's, is he trying well, to look? That's what I think. I think a lot of this movie is actually supposed to is supposed to be like because it has rap songs in it too a lot of it is supposed to be kind of like yeah we're christians but you know we're not your grandfather's christians <laughs> you know we're we're really cool so yeah uh kirk cameron playing himself i want to emphasize <laughs> well it's also his sister in the movie is, is it his, his real it, sister it, oh i didn't know that okay and the uh, pally is the director and co-writer of the film also this movie is presented by liberty university and liberty university is a piece of shit place that recently said that they should kill all muslims i think was one of their ah, comments okay yeah uh, yeah not in favor of that that's <laughs> terrible um but uh, any any university or organization that has like liberty or free in their title <laughs> will probably be the exact opposite. Or Bob of that. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Kirk Cameron goes out in the car. He's like, "Hey, Pally, what's going on? You know, we're having a good time in there." And Pally is just like, "Kirk, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I look at that Christmas tree, and it's just it's just consumerism. And what does Santa have to do with the season?" And then Kirk. Does a point by point rundown on basically presents, tree, and Santa Claus, and how they associate themselves with the Bible. And what's interesting too about this movie is it's actually yeah, it's a defense of kind of consumerism and all of the things that aren't Christian about the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. So, for example, well, the best part of the movie, in my opinion, is the explanation for the Christmas tree, which. Pally says, well, wasn't that a, uh, a pagan symbol that the church just appropriated? And Kirk Cameron sort of, I think, sidesteps the issue. He, <laughs> he, he says, oh, for, forget about the whole pagan thing. Uh, his logic, actually, and Kirk Cameron explains this as if he were talking to a small child. I actually made a note on this because I wanted to get the logic right. So Adam from Genesis uh, stole fruit from God's tree. Uh, number one, Adam did not steal fruit. Wasn't it Eve that stole the fruit? Oh but, yeah, that's right. But but you know <laughs> that's how. But that's how Kirk Cameron says it. Yeah, that yeah. He yeah, says yeah. that Adam took the fruit. Yeah. So anyway, Adam ate the fruit. I don't think women play a big part in Kirk Cameron's <laughs> universe. Adam ate the fruit, so the fruit's now part of him. So he can't really return it. So the only way Adam could return the fruit if he wanted to was to literally put himself on the tree. Mm -hmm. And Kirk Cameron says, and I quote, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> what what Jesus did when he was crucified was he put himself up on the tree to redeem us from original sin. The tree, I guess, in this case, being being, you know, a crucifix, which is made of wood. It's a tree. I guess. So yeah. so actually the logic of this, I thought, was actually quite interesting. And I wonder if this is a, a theory that's actually been circulated in born again communities. So the idea is if you see. If you if you go to your uh, local Christmas tree store and you see a lot full of empty trees, you should reflect that we don't need to put ourselves on those trees because Jesus already put himself on a tree and you should tell everyone the good news. So when you see a tree in your house, it is a Christian symbol, not a pagan symbol. So take that, pagans. Now, and that's a crazy, you know, roundabout way to get to that. <laughs> I would respect it a little more if he had just said, yeah, you know, it was a pagan symbol, but, you know, we did you something good it with it. this that. way. Yeah. But that's not the way that Kirk Cameron's uh, philosophy works. It has to be <laughs> the end-all, be-all yeah. of christmas like he also says like what was it about santa oh santa yeah. was saint nicholas this is the one part where he kind of veers into the current current war on christmas culture war mm -hmm. 
because because Saint Nicholas went around the country kind of beating up heretics. Yeah, and that's right. as as Kirk Cameron says, uh, Saint Nicholas didn't have time for political correctness when he was <laughs> advocating for truth. And you actually do see someone playing Saint Nicholas in some black room somewhere just beating up on a guy. And he looks like a WWE wrestler. In fact, Kirk Cameron actually says, think Lord of the Ringsy, <laughs> But think lame Lord of the Ringsy, and not really fun at all. And let's not forget why presents exist, because remember, Jesus was wrapped in a shroud when he was born. Oh, yeah. And he was wrapped in a shroud when he was put in the cave before so, he so resurrected. So that shroud, and I actually thought this was kind of interesting. That I'm going to give Kirk Cameron this. I thought this was neat. The shroud uh, in the nativity story is foreshadowing for the crucifixion and is saying that jesus was always meant to die mm-hmm. from the beginning for our sins yeah okay I, but we're getting into matters of the theology here, <laughs> i don't really want to argue because this will be a four hour long podcast <laughs> where me and will will not be as informed as we probably should be <laughs> even more than we usually have are. you read the gospels uh yeah when i was a kid yeah yeah they're pretty good yeah they're okay they got some good stuff in them yeah, they're really action-packed you know what the interesting thing about the gospels is when you read them you see all these lines that later became part of folklore and and our common parlance it's like oh that's where that line came from mm-hmm. i mean my biggest issue when i would read the bible as a kid is that jesus died for our sins but a lot of people died before him in the same way uh oh like various martyrs yes or people that are crucified because most of the people that were crucified by the romans were came as messiahs and heretics that was something that was saved for them even though a thief was crucified with some two at the time listen i i'm i i'm not gonna disrespect jesus's sacrifice for us sir so (laughs) not in this episode get out (laughs) do you think any christians will listen to this podcast because they see saving christmas in the title and they're like "Ooh, i want them to we should put we should put kirk cameron's name in the title (laughs) no please no because then there'll be like a whole like um organization against us (laughs) that would be great (laughs) but we have no one to defend ourselves they might write us some letters we should put the email (laughs) so this movie after we just mentioned the three things this movie covers and then for the last 20 minutes it's just the guy loving christmas so at about the 50 minute mark or maybe the 55 minute mark like scrooge on christmas morning pally is just redeemed he's like okay i get it he he runs in and i'm looking at the time it's like 54 minutes this movie's 80 minutes long how how are they gonna fill the rest of this movie well they're gonna fill it with slow motion (laughs) a lot of slow motion then there, there there is a rap dance scene kind of a, a hip-hop version of uh, hark the herald angels sing the whole cast dances and then they have christmas dinner oh my god when they had christmas dinner it's like th- that law that endless dance number finally ends <laughs> and it's like okay this is the end and then you see them around the table it's like oh my god how is there more and then you hear kirk cameron on the soundtrack he goes he goes so gather around the table get some turkey and some gravy and then he says another one of my favorite lines of in the movie and i wrote this down because i loved it so much this is a celebration of the eternal god taking on a material body so it's right that the holiday is marked with material things what no, it's which not. i think that's I, a stretch <laughs> i love that kirk cameron feels the need to like justify all these things that he likes but why does he feel the need to justify maybe because he grew up on it so he has some nostalgia attachment but to why, that. why and can't as he grows older and he has all these things and he becomes more and more you know closer yeah. to the faith but he likes these things and doesn't want to throw them away so he has to find reasons to keep them in his life i guess like i think uh you can make some very easy justifications for it where you're like yes we're celebrating the birth of christ but and you know we also want to it's just a celebratory time of year and we want to show our relatives how much they mean to us so mm-hmm. that's, that's all why you we give to them do. presents it's yep. great 
And the tree, you know, it doesn't have to have anything to do with... It's, it's fun. Everyone likes decorating a tree. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Boom, it's done. But nope, you got to link it right to the Bible. Hey, pagans like us, we like uh, we like Christmas parties. They're fun. <laughs> yeah, Christmas parties are fun. Yeah. But this Christmas party is not fun. Yeah. So even though that you said you enjoyed this one more than you enjoyed oh, Miracle I, on I, 34th. I had, a great, I had a great time with this. So yeah, so then the movie ends, this dinner scene ends at the 69 minute mark. <laughs> and and then like, the credits still- start and it's like wait there's still another how is there 10 minutes of credits and you find out because a just like disaster movie and (laughs) all those other films before they're gonna pad out that extra 10 minutes with some bloopers terrible bloopers (laughs) not a single blooper is good and also the executive producer kurt cameron credit i swear is on screen for 20 seconds it's (laughs) just in case you forget so then at about 75 minutes the credits finally end it's like how is there four more minutes they've done all the credits and then it cuts to the two, let's say, ethnic characters in the film doing another sort of freestyle rap where they <laughs> rap about Kirk Cameron. And then it, and then that goes and the movie finally pants and wheezes its way to 79 and a half minutes and it ends. Can you imagine seeing this movie in theaters? <laughs> oh, I wish I did. <laughs> With its intended audience? Maybe it would have been like a Star Wars Episode Seven style experience. How did this movie do at the box office? Do you I know? No yeah, okay, we can look that. I do, I do know that it won... Um, the the Razzie Award last year, and the Razzies are stupid. The Razzies and they are super picked stupid. dumb targets, and then and now I feel bad because now we're picking on a dumb target too. <laughs> we're down at the Razzies level. Well, I would like to note that Will Sloan brought me down to this level. I actually fought against the choosing of this title. Listen, but Will dragged me kicking and screaming. We did Gadar last week. Well, this is like we said that. <laughs> Let Sammy me just Christmas have a little fun. <laughs> is like a Gadar film, isn't it? It's an essay. It's an film. essay film. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also kind of like F for Fake. Yeah, uh, and it's like Kirk Cameron is just like Gadar in his later period, speaking to an empty room. Yeah, yeah. It is like you know a movie like JLG, JLG, where it's Gadar kind of puttering around his house, saying cryptic <laughs> aphorisms. Yep. Um, I love how the uh, Pally in the movie is also instantly convinced by Kirk Cameron's <laughs> yeah. argument. There's no back and forth. He's just like, well, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's like the worst Socratic dialogue <laughs> you've ever heard. Uh, do you like the scenes of them kind of like riffing together comically in the car? No. Do you think they're supposed to be, that's like their attempt at doing kind of an Apatow thing? I guess so, but no, I do not like <laughs> that. I do not like anything in this they're, movie. They're riffing so hard. And Kirk Cameron, you know, again, I feel so bad. It's such an easy target, but I don't like him. He's such a smug piece of shit yeah and yeah he's he's also a very hateful person if you read about some of the things that he said sure i don't know that much about him in real yeah i don't remember where i think i must have read an article at some point where it really highlighted all the horrible things that he's done or tried to preach to the people that follow interesting he does seem to kind of keep it a little bit more tolerable when he makes movies Mm because fireproof is all about him he's a firefighter and his he's having trouble in his marriage and it's all about you know getting his marriage back together which i think is I mean, I haven't seen the movie. It's probably terrible, but but that's, you know, a strong marriage is probably something to aspire to. Yeah, but I'm it's sure it's message. probably solved with magic or something like that. Yeah, or, or, or with the woman finding her place or, yeah, you know, something, exactly. something terrible. So let's move on to Miracle on 34th Street. A classic. Boring. 
<laughs> a classic that you hear about more than people actually watch. This is one that we chose this one because it, we wanted we wanted to counterbalance Saving Christmas. And I was wrong. We wanted to just have one that was kind of like a festive classic. And we also, neither of us have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I I guess we're being a little scornful about it. It's not that bad. It's, it's, it's okay. like It's fine. If you if, if you grew up with this movie, it's it's all right. But, uh, but if you like sit down and try to break down exactly the message it's trying to tell you, yeah. I mean, you know what? Let's give it a few props before where it moves okay. Yeah, it's, it's, dialogue it's is fine. highly competent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy who played Santa Claus won an Academy Award for his performance, which is crazy. It is crazy. And that's like such a sympathy uh, thing. But he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not Oscar good, in my opinion. So for the people who don't know what the plot of Miracle on 34th Street, it's a guy who thinks that he's Santa Claus. And for some reason, they bring him to court. <laughs> so he gets a job. He, he's wandering around Manhattan in December, which should be his busy season. <laughs> but... But he gets a job at, uh, oh, he, he fills in for, for the Santa at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Who Parade. Who gets incredibly drunk. Yeah. And he does such a good job at that. He is so good in this parade that there is literally... What, what does the Santa have to do? Fifth Avenue is packed with people. It's like Beatlemania. They love him <laughs> so much as Santa. But wouldn't Santa. they have been there no matter if I had been Santa or you had been Well, Santa? yeah, but then that last shot where, where he's just like, on a stage there like waving triumph everyone. of the will. Oh my God. They love this Santa more than any Santa they ever seen i mean playing santa and afraid is the easiest job <laughs> it is you have no one to interact with you just sit there, stand there and wave so macy is they're like okay we got to get this guy uh to be our santa in the store mm-hmm. but uh he <laughs> because he's he's actually santa or he thinks he is when people start sitting on his lap and saying what they want for christmas he starts directing them to other stores if he was actually santa wouldn't he just give them fucking presents uh, yeah, like with magic, you'd just be like, "Boom." Well, I think we're or is led it to, like a we're, Jesus metaphor. I think we're led to believe that he's not actually Santa. no, he's not actually Santa. I know, but I mean, with the context of <laughs> if he believed he was Santa, that's a shitty Santa saying, "Go buy it over here." Yeah, that's right. And the movie, let's say right off the bat here, is about faith and believing in something to bring you to a better place. Right. There, there's also some kind of light satire in the midpoint about, mm. about well, again, this Santa, unlike Kirk Cameron, is very discouraged by the consumerist direction that Christmas has gone. And so he's not he's no shill for Macy's. And then Macy's picks up on this and like, well, everyone loves this generous Santa who's... Uh, he's not giving presents either. No. He's, he's just pointing them in directions where to find toys for cheaper prices or people that have it in stock and so then all the other department stores in manhattan start instituting this policy too mm-hmm. uh, this this generous christmas goodwill policy of directing people to other stores and this the whole point of this whole policy is that it just makes them look good i find i found that mildly amusing yeah me too so yeah. i was up with the movie <laughs> until about like 30 minutes in because this is kind of amusing yeah. the way that it's going and i i was really <laughs> curious of how the court case because i remember that this movie ends with like a court case And my main problem with this is why are they publicly trying a man to be mentally fit or not? Have you ever heard of any court case like this? No. And maybe I missed some of the subtleties of of the movie. It was, it was, he was not fit to be Santa. So then I think somebody sued somebody. And they wanted to, well, they wanted to send him to an asylum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's usually done behind closed doors, I think. Yeah, that is pretty insane. Um, (laughs) uh, And the thing is like, the protagonist of the film who is um, dating the woman 
who runs Macy's or is in charge of Macy's yeah, marketing. Yeah, Mar- Maureen O'Hara. Who's the mother of a young Natalie Wood who doesn't believe in Santa because Maureen O'Hara says you shouldn't believe in Santa because he's not real and you have to be rational in the way that you approach things in life. Yeah, it's stupid. But... <laughs> um, even though that suddenly she starts believing in Santa by the end, like that's the message well, that the movie my wants pro- to give you. You know what? My problem with all of these movies, like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen or... or <laughs> well, Santa Claus or, has a real Santa in it. Or Santa Claus the movie is... It's, always, it's, it's a matter of debate in those... Like... Everyone thinks it's a matter of debate. All the adults in those movies say, well, Santa isn't real. But then, of course, Santa is real. But it's in the Santa Claus and Santa Claus the movie, but not a miracle on 34th Street. But but then in this movie, they, they again do the matter of... It ends with them saying it's important to believe in Santa, even though he might not be real. But the thing is, Santa's not like God. <laughs> like, Santa is somebody who supposedly gives you actual tangible things and actually lives at the North Pole. So it's not about faith, because faith is yeah. about... The you receive nothing, you are giving no proof, and you have to believe, and that faith will That's bring right. you to the next place. Santa ostensibly Santa is all about the proof. It's all about you put the the cookies and the carrot at the bottom of your chimney, and, and you they're get gone a in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so so in a movie like The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, uh, the fact that the parents don't believe it is it's ridiculous. Santa <laughs> is actually real, and those as Tim Allen found out when he shot Santa on the roof. Wait, did he shoot him? No. Yeah, no, he did. No, he surprises him and Santa falls down. Oh, okay. He does not shoot So it Santa. was manslaughter. <laughs> Santa uh, died, though. Yeah, Santa and Tim died. Allen had to take over for him. Santa died. Do you think at this point in the universe of the Santa Claus, someone has killed Tim Allen? Uh, well, I'm waiting for Santa Claus 4, which I'm sure will eventually come. They reboot everything. <laughs> Um, I was very disturbed about that as a child. And Santa not only dies, but, like, he leaves no body. His, like, body melts into the snow after he gets killed. Yeah. I assume from a broken neck. Yeah. Oh, remind me, did Tim Allen have to take over his his mission that night? Did he have to go no, to the houses? No, he didn't have to do that that night. So, so did did everyone not get their presents that night? Maybe Tim Allen was the last person. Also, how old do you have to be a Santa Claus to be surprised so easily? Like, you must have been doing this for a while. Yeah. Unless this guy had also killed Santa earlier, like the, the year before. Yeah. And then this was like his first time. Well, and, you know, Santa... Also, I think should have been better prepared for the possibility he'd be shot on a roof. Okay, no, again, he es- wasn't shot. Especially in these shot at, especially in these very, you know, highly charged political times when everybody's carrying a gun and everybody's I mean, shooting at everyone. It's a Santa Claus movie starring Tim Allen has taught us anything. There's a lot of rules about being Santa because I believe the Santa Claus 2 or 3 is about that he has to get a wife by the end of the year or else oh, he will also die. Oh, that's so dumb, yeah. I didn't see number 3, but what I remember was the trailer, which was at the beginning of every movie that came out that year where it had martin short was jack frost and the kid says to him chill and he goes i invented chill boo good stuff back on miracle on 34th street <laughs> we'll get back probably to santa claus later on in this podcast right. is that they go to court and the guy decides that he will prove that the man is santa claus now this guy gives no strategy of what he's doing the male protagonist i don't even remember what his name is yeah, or who the actor is <laughs> He just says that this is what his plan is going to be. And if the movie proves anything is that he has no idea what his plan is going to be. His plan is to bring out people and force them to say that Santa Claus is real. Because if they say that Santa Claus is fake, they'll make front page news. And then kids won't believe in Santa Claus. And it will compromise the judge's political ambitions. Uh, Yeah. Um, We should point out that the judge in this movie... Corrupt. Completely corrupt. And (laughs) not only is he corrupt, but it's portrayed in like a comedically corrupt fashion (laughs) yeah no it's a very cynical movie now that you mention it (laughs) 
And like the uh, owners of Macy's and what's the name of the other store? It's I like, can't remember. <laughs> Grimbles or something. Yeah, like, I was gonna say Goebbels. Go- Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> you know the propaganda minister of uh, Adolf Hitler's party. Yeah. Um, they will not say that Santa's not real because they feel it will hurt their sales. Mm. So they have to continue on with this lie of Santa. So uh, and the other, the defense attorney is his part of his strategy is to say is the idea that he believes he's Santa. He lives his life as Santa. Therefore, he is Santa, which doesn't fly with the court, really. <laughs> no. And, and I don't think it would fly with any rational thinking person. Right. And and uh, although then again, like, let's say let's say I think that I'm an actor. <laughs> I don't, but let's say that I do. And and then I went around I went around doing auditions, okay? And I went around giving out my headshot and I said I'm an actor. There are lots of actors who are like that, right? Yeah. And they're they're actors. So then if I can be an actor, why can't Santa Claus be Santa Claus? I feel he shouldn't be institutionalized based on the (laughs) fact that he thinks that he's Santa Claus. Even though that one of the reasons that he gets pushed in this situation is there's a psychiatrist who's also really corrupt who santa claus hits on oh the yeah that a little bit of populist kind of anti-psychiatrist uh, stuff in <laughs> Damn there those freudians yeah yeah they you know they may know their fancy book learning but they don't they don't know santa when they see him now how how long did you believe in santa claus will oh uh, a little late probably probably up to like third, 18 third yeah, i still do <laughs> Will Sloan is not 18. I'm the the, uh, 26-year-old man who is in line at at the Eaton Center (laughs) waiting to sit on his lap. How old were you? Um, I would probably say something like 11, 12. Okay. Before, like, the logic of, like, there is no Santa I would say that, like, third, fourth grade, which is pretty late to believe in Santa Claus, but third, fourth grade, I was, like, kind of... Going through the 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 mental gymnastics in my head. Actually, like, twelve sounds a little bit old now. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but I was going through the mental gymnastics of being like, well, geez, none of this makes sense. But then again, how can you explain that present I got? <laughs> my parents wouldn't have got me that. I think that it was probably living in my father's apartment after he divorced with my mother, and either <laughs> seeing him putting presents under the tree <laughs> or something like that. My par- shattering. My, my parents also had a great strategy to get me to believe in in Santa. They were very proud of the strategy where they their presents to me would be really bad presents <laughs> like, <laughs> like my mom got me, my mom got me an adding machine one year <laughs> an adding machine and, and and the the cultures of the world textbook <laughs> and that is offensively lame presents <laughs> I, well i know and and so for years i i was i was being like oh thanks mom for this adding machine because i didn't want to hurt her my feelings i didn't want to hurt her feelings right but then of course years later she told me that so, that, that was the strategy in other words your parents made you look like a schmuck well, having to say like good job well and I, they're like that little liar well listen I, on the other hand it did show that i was very courteous and, and wanted everyone to feel good about their presence yeah but they know it's a lie well, unless did you like? There are wor- and- there are worse lies to tell. <laughs> did you to are you telling and- me you haven't lied about liking a present <laughs> <laughs> every year? <laughs> every year. Um, but yeah, on Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Well, I was gonna say how important it is. Do you feel to believe in Santa Claus? Like, if you had a child, would you be like, "There is no Santa Claus"? Like, no, right I I would I would raise him with Santa for a while. Yeah, why not? Kids, it's fun. kids love Santa. Yeah, and if anything, it teaches them to believe that people will lie to them. <laughs> and they need to be able to tell the difference. Yeah, because Santa, there's nothing wrong with Santa, but the way that Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street kind of presents him is that he's like a faith based figure. Well, that's eventually what it comes down to, and. Uh, Maureen O'Hara says to her daughter, Natalie Wood, she says, um, 
Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. Just because things don't turn out the way you wanted them to, you still got to believe in people. Which I think is is horrible. What's wrong with just <laughs> believing in, you know, maybe you can do it? Well, okay, like, it, it's fine to believe that you can do it, but... To believe, like, without thinking of anything else? Yeah. Just blindly... That's like you being yeah. an actor again. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can be an actor. And it's like, no, Will... You can't. Or it's like, you know, let, let's say, or I could be like, well, I blindly believe in Donald Trump and I have the faith <laughs> that he'll be a great leader. And uh, despite all common sense, that's not going to be good for anybody. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't think faith is like in, in and of itself necessarily a good thing. And at the same time, the movie at the end, the girl believes she will get this house where she can live with her family. Chris Kringle promises it to her. And at the end, she does get this house. And you're like, wait, what? Well, okay, they're driving down the street. The family's driving down the street. And and the girl's like, stop the car. She sees a house that's for sale. Uh, she runs into the house. Parents follow her. And they're like, darling, what are you doing? You can't go in people's houses. She's like, this is the house that Santa promised me. This is it. This is mm-hmm. it. And the parents, I guess, are just like, well, guess we got to get it. That's exactly uh, what they say. They yeah. say, we don't want to let a little girl down. We'll have to get this house. But then the big twist is they see a cane at the fireplace. <laughs> There's an old homeless man living in the house, I assume. Well, yeah, <laughs> presumably. Or could have been that Santa came and left that cane as a hint that he was there. I'm a big believer in films, especially kids' films, that the kids should not get everything that they want. Yeah, giving a kid a house is ridiculous. Like, good. Like, come on. Like, the, the kids have to learn lessons. It's an example of uh, I, this is not a Christmas film, but uh, Tim Burton's Frankenweenie. At the end, his dog dies again, and they bring him to life again. Okay. And I have a big problem with that because the kid is not learning. Like, you have to move on. You have to, yeah. you know, roll with life's punches. The kid is learning. Like. Oh, everything's going to be happily ever after. Yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah, Frank and Winnie should be dead. Yeah. But that's what the lesson of Miracle on 34th Street is giving. It's like, you will get everything you want as long as you believe. Yeah, which is which not is true. Insane. No, which yeah. is not true. <laughs> so, Santa Claus. Listen, we're, we're <laughs> grizzled, wise and veterans here. We've gone, th- we've gone to the school of hard knocks and we're telling you. You don't get everything you want. Are you a fan of Christmas movies? Uh, sure. I mean, like anyone, when you know, when I'm home for the holidays, I flip channels and I watch them. But you know, you don't go actively looking for Christmas films when I would the Christmas say, season. Arrives. I would say like there are a couple that I mean, you know, f- f- I've seen It's a Wonderful Life many times over Does the years. Does that count as a Christmas film though? Christmas is such a small part of that film. I feel though that like. I mean, it's just become part of the season, whether mm-hmm. it, I mean, Christmas is a small part of Die Hard and people watch that every year. too. Mostly because uh, It's a Wonderful Life was a huge bomb when it came out. Kind of. I it don't know fell how into the public, public domain. domain. And so so kind of local or public access TV stations would play it every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how it became really popular. Yeah. Because even, people would see even it. though only the last 20 minutes or so are set at Christmas. Mm. Um, and when he's about to commit suicide. Yeah. And that's another thing I like about it, the fact that it's kind of such a dark movie up until the last minute. <laughs> well, Frank Capra has been um, documented as not really having any clear political views. Sure. So if you try to break that film down, you're like, wait, what? If he were alive today, he'd be Republican. <laughs> yeah, you would be probably supporting Donald Trump, yeah, I feel. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, there's other classics like Scrooged. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Scrooge. I watched a bit of it last year and didn't hold up for me. Oh, I love Scrooge. One of my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, all right. Speaking of favorite Christmas movies, Jingle All the Way. Uh, I feel very fondly to it. It's a terrible movie, but... Uh, no, I think it's genuinely fun. It, will... it is Brian Levant's best film. I think... I think um, 
Well, you know what? I was going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger is miscast, but actually I don't think he is because a lot of what's fun about that movie is the fact that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, like if it was someone like Jim Belushi or something like that, it would not be as funny as yeah. it is when it's Arnold. Maybe I should see it again. I saw it in a theater as a kid and I loved it. Uh, I gave it five stars. <laughs> I saw it in the theater as a kid last year and I loved it. <laughs> and so did all the kids around me. Ah, they nice. ate it up. They actually applauded and cheered when the credits rolled. I am not a pervert. <laughs> I am just looking for two of them. Put that dolls. cookie down. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I uh, for, there were about fifteen straight years when I watched Santa Claus Conquers the Martians every Christmas. Really, that's one I think I've only seen once. I, I the Mystery Science Theater three thousand version. Uh, a combination of that and mm-hmm. the uh, the uncut version, and I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, obviously it's a bad movie, but uh, there's something about it's very Christmassy, and that I like the colors and I like the general good cheer. Of I it. think I'm a bigger fan of the Spanish Santa Claus movie where he fights Satan. I love that one, but I came to it later. Oh, really? Where if anybody doesn't know this film, you should check it out. I oh, think yeah. it's probably fallen to the public domain too. Where it's like it's basically. Santa Claus wanting to deliver his pet presents and the devil is after him doing Home Alone-like gags like lighting <laughs> fires or heating up a doorknob so Santa Claus can't do it, or sticking a dog on him. And in that movie, Santa lives in outer space and he has this <laughs> telescope where he spies on the kids. Uh... <laughs> With big giant lips, isn't it, that talk to him? And yeah, that's right. Also a very good Mystery Science Theater episode. Oh, also all his elves are actually just children. <laughs> yeah, which seem to slave working, but it, for all different countries too. Mm. He doesn't, um, you know, he's not racist. He'll take anyone to do his no, work. The movie is, but, yes. but he's not. Uh, you know, it was from an earlier time, the 60s, I assume. <laughs> yeah, sure. And as far as... Nobody other- knew about racism in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the movies, they had a pass till like 2002, right? Oh, sure. When was the last rush hour? When did it come out? <laughs> I mean, and there's like a lot of films like Will mentioned that take place during Christmas aren't really people think it's Christmas movies like Lethal Weapon, basically any movie Shane Black made, Iron mm. Man 3 takes place during Christmas. Yeah. Um, Batman Returns, which we saw again this week at the Royal. Batman Returns is not a good film. It's I, an interesting film. I don't know. I kind of like it. I think. Uh, th- th- I think it's just so. It's so ridiculous that that I. I that I can't help but like it. I mean, Batman kills dozens of people in that film. I like the fact that Batman is such a loser in that movie. He is such a loser. He's constantly beaten, knocking women off roofs. But the first time you see him, all he's doing is just sitting in his house alone, staring staring at the ground. Waiting while... to be Batman. Yeah, and then he gets to be Batman. Yep. And he only gets to be Batman for like 20 minutes in that film, it feels like. But how can you not like that movie? Danny DeVito? Well, Danny DeVito was Incredible. crazy. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's great. Amazing. It's just such a weirdly schizophrenic film, and it doesn't really know what story it wants to tell. I kind of like that about it. It has these kind of three competing narratives, of which Batman's is the least important. I would argue that its first 15 minutes are probably the film's strongest. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I can't help but love the scene where, like... Danny DeVito is doing the the George Patton speech to all the or the penguins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie's definitely fun, but you have to go in with your expectations and check, knowing what you're going to get. Oh, Otherwise, for sure. you will be disappointed. It's definitely a weird mood piece too. Also, Batman <laughs> lets an innocent person die. He just stands there. What, the what? woman gets pushed off the roof. Oh, and then he's wanted for murder, which he well, never solves. Listen, no. In fairness, uh, he was gonna save the woman, but then the penguin threw his umbrella, and all the bats came out and knocked her <laughs> off before he had a chance to save her. Yeah, but he made no effort. He just stands there as a woman plummets to he her said, death. He said, "Be careful." He was gonna approach her very carefully. <laughs> These are the kind of moral issues I would have a lot as a kid, where I was like, "I can't like this character or this situation." Kind of like an Enter the Dragon when Bruce Lee would 
fight a bunch of people yeah. and you would knock a few over, but then snap someone's neck. Yeah. I had very, very big sadistically. Issues. Yeah. I like, I also like the part at the end of Batman returns when, when Catwoman says the law doesn't apply to people like him or us. And Batman goes wrong on both counts. It's like, Batman, you killed <laughs> 20 people in this movie. The law clearly does not apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he kills him comedically and you know the comedy law that was put in oh, around sure. 1991 that if you well, do an ironic I mean, death I guess you could technically say he killed him in self defense <laughs> Su- such as the guy that he killed with the fire <laughs> <laughs> the guy just juggling I think yeah, that he yeah. lights on fire yeah yeah mm-hmm. and as far as other Christmas goes there's all the variations of a Christmas carol that exist the Muppet Christmas Carol the one with Patrick Stewart I, I saw a bit of Muppet Christmas Carol again last year it's pretty good really yeah Michael Caine uh, yeah Michael Caine and that's a yeah. big actor to get in that film. Yeah, I think like, he really elevates it, I would say. Uh, do you like the classic A Christmas Carol? The one with... I do, but I've only seen it once. Yeah, my uh, stepmother used to watch it at Christmas all the time. I always found it really slow and kind of dull. But maybe that's if mm. I watch it now, I would give it a little bit more I probably, leeway. I probably like the Charles Dickens book more. <laughs> <laughs> Just read the Charles Dickens yeah. book. No, wait, but you can never forget Jim Carrey's adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Uh, that's funny because I did. <laughs> I tried to watch that movie a few years ago, and I was disgusted. Well, Ebert gave it four stars. Ebert I don't know. gave anything with a bunch of CGI four stars. He spawned four stars. He gave it three and a half. Like, <laughs> give it a little respect to the late Roger Ebert. Three and a half stars for Spawn? He called it a big-budget avant-garde movie, which is wrong. Yes. Uh, do you say, What do you think you would have got given Saving Christmas? Uh, uh, from What would he have given it? Probably half a star. Like... <laughs> I don't think he would have been generous to Saving Christmas. And we didn't really talk about... It's weird that like the holiday season gets a lot of horror movies. When people think of the holidays, they like to go to horror movies a lot, too. Like Black Christmas. You'll know more about this than I. Silent Night, favorites? Deadly Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one that I recently watched... Uh, called uh, si- Silent Night, Bloody Night, which I really, really enjoyed, mm. which is another one that fell into public domain. It's one of the reasons that it isn't talked about a lot, which is about um, Mary, I can't say her name correctly, uh, Warrenov, the woman that started uh, oh, eating Raoul. Yeah, from a- and Andy Warhol's movies. Yeah, yeah, and Death Race 2000 stars as a woman who's like investigating this creepy gothic manner. And it's actually a proto-slasher that came out a few years before even Black Christmas that has the POV shots of the murderer kind of walking around about to knife okay. someone. And so it's kind of weird that it's fallen into obscurity considering that it does have all these elements without falling into the genre conventions. Um, and we can never forget stuff like Gremlins... Yeah. That's definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, I'm... And you've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 with uh, Mickey Rooney. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. It's not good. I would recommend probably Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, The Initiation. Directed by? Brian Yuzna. Oh, wait, who did the, who, which one did Monty Hellman do? Uh, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, You Better Watch Out. Okay. I don't, why do I know this information? It's so useless. Yeah, it is. And I don't know, like... Well, really we used it right now on this <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> and people are sending me those dollar bills through the mail, <laughs> those Christmas presents, being like, Justin, you know, knowing the title of Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 makes you a more valuable member of society yeah. <laughs> than anyone else I know. Yep. Um, is there any other movies you can think of off the top of your head that eh, you nah. watch when... No, no Christmas Vacation, no... Nah. Uh, Nah. Um, the Dog Saves Christmas or nah. whatever those Hallmark movies are. <laughs> so you're a real Grinch then, which we didn't mention. Uh, Jim Carrey's the Grinch. I like the Chuck Jones cartoon. Uh, well, you don't like the Ron Howard version. 
uh no <laughs> did you that was one of the very distinct moments in my life of being in a cinema and going this is not good well that was a very distinct moment in my life of trying to convince myself that the movie was good uh because i had looked forward to it all year I mean, jim carrey jim the carrey grinch? as the grinch yeah but then there was that whole middle section that has nothing to do with the dr seuss book that like I mean, I, okay, I said Saving Christmas is the most padded movie ever made, but <laughs> The Grinch is number two. <laughs> I don't even remember what The Grinch is about. I just remember s- sitting there kind of crestfallen as it played out. And also, like, Jim Carrey's worst performance, I want to say, maybe. <laughs> like, he's terrible. I mean, Jim Carrey's given a lot of bad performances. Oh. How do you think it was on set, like, filming The Grinch? You think Ron Howard was like, yeah, that's great, hilarious. Like, they were laughing so hard they couldn't keep themselves. Pro- I think so. I think sometimes when they make these movies out they get in a little bit of a bubble and, and everyone thinks that what everyone's doing is funny so what is christmas for you though will like when you think of the season oh it's all about getting together with your family and uh, getting getting some eggnog and just just sitting around the fire so the and... most generic platitudes you can think of yeah yeah so, but is your family like a big christmas celebrator uh moderately so i i wouldn't i wouldn't say the, the there's that no elf on the shelf sitting there it. watching you no no but we have a christmas tree you know mm-hmm. we uh we we put we put the decorations on the tree and we listen to the bob dylan christmas album and we the bob uh, dylan christmas album. you don't know it christmas no. in the heart oh, you gotta check that out it's good <laughs> uh yeah what about you how's your christmas uh it's good it feels like people are just tuning into like a normal conversation now maybe we should wrap bus. it up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I love Christmas, but I love Christmas almost as much as Kirk Cameron does, but more in the build-up to Christmas. Christmas Day, I could give or take. I don't like yeah. having to meet family or anything like that. Especially like, now that like I can actually afford to buy things for myself, but I don't need to <laughs> depend on Christmas as the one day a year when I, get, when I can get a bunch of stuff. What is the best Christmas present you ever got? Please make it movie related, because then we could tie it into the podcast. Oh God, uh, we—I mean, guys, you can stop listening right now if you if you want. I can't. I I can't remember what uh, the best Christmas present I ever got was. One wow, time, you have such a bitter, angry. One time though, I did get my mom. Um, I sent. I sent. I got an, an autograph from Mister Rogers for my mom, and I gave that to her as her present. I think that was the best so present really, I ever got. Christmas someone is about giving, not receiving. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't get that sense necessarily from Kirk Cameron's. <laughs> Saving Christmas. And what do you think about Miracle on 34th Street's ending, which we didn't talk about at all, that he's proven to be Santa Claus because he has a bunch of mail that's sent to him? Oh, okay, yeah. The people at the U.S. Postal Service, um, they... they uh, Young Natalie Wood sends a letter to Chris Kingle, Kringle, care of County Courthouse or whatever, and at the, at the, at the post office, they look at it and they're like, eh, this is kind of funny. Hey, why don't we send all those children's letters to Santa to him? Therefore, because the U.S. Post Office is a government body, the government has legally recognized him as Santa. That's some fucking shitty, like, <laughs> logic. Uh, yeah. Well, this whole court case in Miracle on 34th Street was a sham anyway. <laughs> and there was no way that we're not going to prove that he was Santa Claus. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep, Miracle on 34th Street, not a good movie. Saving Christmas, not a good movie. Christmas movies can be good because then what would be your favorite then you didn't actually mention what your favorite would be santa claus conquers the martians santa claus conquers the martians what's your favorite uh jingle all the way all right (laughs) nice (laughs) so we have no business (laughs) (laughs) saying that saving christmas is bad (laughs) because we like those two movies yeah yeah well that's a good time to end the (laughs) This super special episode. Remember, you can always send us uh, emails. Care of Important Cinema Club Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit the website where the show is hosted, www.filmtrap.com. 
And my name was Justin the Clue. My name is Will Sloan. Have yourself a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Now is not the time for political correctness. <laughs> awesome. This has been a Can Make production. You can follow Justin DeClue on Twitter at DeClueJ and Will Sloan at Will Sloan Esquire. <laughs> Why Esquire? Because I'm a gentleman. <laughs> Do it now, please. Thanks.